0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Lore Talks 2. I am recording this intro after we recorded, and um, today we're going to start off by talking about Facebook dying and how we think about that and how it ties into revenue models of other big tech companies and how that ties into just so many other things and first-party control over platforms. And then what else do we do? <laughs> uh Oh, open source uh, projects. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, funding. <laughs>
0: yeah, it goes investment all over. <laughs> into
1: different companies. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, and then VCs. Um, it kind of goes everywhere. This is a really crazy day today. We have learned that more structure can probably be good. So, um, thanks in advance for working with us, and let's go ahead and get started with this crazy week. So today is Facebook dying is going to be our main discussion, and we're gonna tie this into a lot more broader concepts regarding big tech and just the general business model, of the internet nowadays. So for context. It just came out that Facebook's stocks have plunged 14%. Uh, this is their lowest point since March 2020. And for a period on Friday, last Friday, this sunk even lower. Meta, which is the parent owner of Facebook, has lost 61% of its value over the past 12 months, by far the biggest slide among big tech stocks, and more than doubled a drop in the NASDAQ composite. Um, they are now trading just $0.28 cents above its closing price in March of 2020, And also, they are falling below the lowest since January 2019 when they were dealing with the aftermath of Cambridge Analytica, which was a very massive scandal. So things right now aren't looking for Facebook, and we want to talk today about whether that means they're finally starting to be phased out, or if this is just a small divot for them as they start rebranding themselves into something new. Um, We want to unpack that and tie it into these broader themes. So let's go ahead and start with why do you think Facebook is doing so poorly right now? And this is a big question, so this is probably going to go on for a while.
1: <laughs> Definitely a big question. <laughs> um, part of it is for sure the rebranding that you mentioned. Um, I think uh, they kind of have a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak, um, as they like expand into this metaverse vision that Zuckerberg has that uh, we're not really sure what that is going to end up looking like yet, but... It's a huge gamble. Signs. Yeah, it's a huge gamble for sure, and he's basically gone a hundred percent in with the with the rebranding with his whole company. And I don't know if it's paying off really. <laughs>
0: well I think either way they knew there was going to be pushback. If if it is going to work out, there's no way they were planning on it working out at least in the next few years. So I guess it's gonna be really hard to see how the metaverse stuff plays out. But you know what? Other companies like Apple are kind of following like I think did you see some of the leaks rumors about them developing something with regarding their own metaverse someday. Like, I, I don't know. Do you think this is here to stay? Cause I hope it doesn't, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's, there's definitely been a lot of rumors about, uh, Apple entering like the augmented reality space. They've been working a lot on like, uh, mobile hardware to kind of do that kind of stuff, interacting, adding like virtual components to the real world. I don't know if they're focusing quite as much as on virtual reality, um, that I've seen but its I'm sure it's something that everyone's looking into now that Facebook has made such a big deal about it. I'm so
0: disinterested in the metaverse. And people I talk to <laughs> yeah. as well also don't seem interested. The only thing people are interested in is the hype behind it. It's that a massive company like Facebook is now talking about this new exciting technology that isn't even here yet. And for me, that screams desperation move because mm-hmm. if Facebook was secure enough in themselves and their finances and their upcoming future, they wouldn't need to resort to such an extreme rebranding and such an extreme bet for something they don't even know is going to work out. So I think it might work out for them, but for me it doesn't seem like a move that a company that was in a good position would ever make.
1: For sure. And, and I think for sure that they're not very, uh, they're not very confident in their own primary business of Facebook. They haven't been for quite some time. I think, uh, their focus on instagram like for the past at least 5 years has shown that they they know that facebook itself is dying and they're trying to branch out as much as they can into any sector they think is going to take off
0: i also think another layer to this aside from just the whole rebranding is there's there's been there's no evolution for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and this ties into exactly this is that the Facebook platform gets what some UI changes here and there, but it's fundamentally still the same platform it has been for the last 10 plus years. It, right, And it, it's, I know it's a meme at this point, but really only old people use Facebook.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think ev- a lot of people have Facebook accounts. That's, that's that we know, and we can verify, but everyone I talk to doesn't seem to like Facebook.
1: Yeah, um, most people I, I talk to, uh, it's mostly like catching up with family, um, older people who use <laughs> Facebook in their lives. And right? then once yeah. they're
0: gone, then then who's going to use Facebook still? Do you think the scandals and all of that stuff has any impact? Like, do you think there's any realistic impact on their users?
1: Have there been any major scandals lately? I'm trying to think of any. Like, since Cambridge Analytica, I'm just trying to...
0: I mean, it depends how major. Not any of them that put them back in court, but, like, I think there's been several data breaches since then. Facebook is constantly
1: going through scandals. I mean, yeah, constantly. (laughs) It's it's a huge problem for them. But um, I think... I mean, the Cambridge Analytica thing, I think, is... Probably, if people weren't interested in, like, Facebook's approach to privacy before, I think that's where most people probably started talking about it um at least that's when i that's when i i started hearing about facebook privacy problems like in the real world from people that i know it's not just stuff that i was reading online around when that started happening like that kind of got the attention of people who might not have noticed um facebook's privacy problems in the past so i think it's definitely having an impact their continued problems since then are people are more people are paying attention is what i think
0: got it but not still not taking action
1: Maybe not taking action.
0: Do you think that the fact that Facebook is publicly traded... Uh, I, I think I already know your answer to this. I know my answer to this. But <laughs> do you think that the fact that it's a publicly traded company um, is part of the reason why Facebook is such a terrible platform? Do you think that the pressure for growth and constant need to please shareholders is a cause of a lot of their problems?
1: I think. Uh, I think that definitely plays a part into it like when you're a publicly traded company like you have to go after growth and profit above all other things so that makes you make decisions that you might not otherwise agree with but i also think that facebook is worse in pretty much every aspect than like any other even major big tech company that i can think of and i think part of that is like an internal Culture as well—that's driving these privacy issues. I think that they fundamentally don't actually care about any of these things, and that drives this problem as well.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, nothing that they do, none of their actions align with their words, um and we see this time and time again. It's almost like every few months there's a huge issue in, at Facebook, um, and I think at this point it is very safe to say what you're saying, where like mm-hmm. they genuinely do not seem to care about any of this, and. I guess people might say the same about Apple, but like it, it's a whole different extreme. Like, yes, Apple doesn't have end-to-end encrypted backups on iCloud. Yeah, that sucks. That that we all wish they had that. Mm-hmm. But Apple also doesn't do anything near as invasive as Facebook in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I could get into a hole. I don't <laughs> want this to become the Apple shilling podcast. I think that would be not great. But I mean. If I was thinking about Apple, I think that's an entirely different problem. I think with Apple um, being a publicly traded company, that's probably more of a factor than it is for Facebook. I think Facebook doesn't care internally. I think they (laughs) internally have a desire to do these things because they think it'll be beneficial for them. Whereas I think Apple in more cases is forced into doing things because of external pressures. I think like government oversight and stockholders are more of a factor in yeah. in terms of in terms of like limiting them like the end-to-end encrypted thing we know that apple was working on it that was something that was brought up inside the company and was developed but there were external pressures that made them back down on it which still isn't okay i mean if they really wanted to they could have stuck with it and they didn't but um i agree it's just, it's just Different, different forces are guiding these companies' decisions.
0: It's interesting. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. And also, um, same thing, people are complaining about Apple um, removing apps and um, having different policies in China. And it's like, well, they have to do that because they're a publicly traded company. And if they exclude the huge population in China, then they're not going to get – they're going to miss out on a huge amount of money from, from that population. Um, right. So – yeah, I didn't see it that way, that's pretty cool. Well, I think this also, now that we're starting to talk about other big tech companies, there's another article that came out and this was on Yahoo Finance. And it talks about how there are other tech companies who are pretty much, so the two main players in the digital advertising space, which is how these big, a lot of these big tech companies have, um, it's how a lot of these big tech companies make money. Um, We'll talk about which ones have and haven't had to do that and which ones are hoping to do that in just a second. But Google and Meta have notoriously been at the top of the game. But this Yahoo Finance article pretty much says that they are starting to lose the huge cut of the pie that they have. TikTok is their biggest competitor right now. So TikTok has made a huge, huge um, impact on this entire industry. But it's not just TikTok. Lots of familiar names are going to come up. Microsoft also wants to enter the digital advertising space. And this is a big one. Amazon wants to as well. And Apple is the other big uh, name that's been trying to get into this. We talked about this, not here on Techler Talks, but um, I know in Surveillance Support. And um, a lot of people saw this article, I think, two or three weeks ago about how Apple is now um, trying to increase the amount of digital advertising they do. And so it seems like this is where the money is at, but they're starting to really invade the meta um, and alphabet. The parent company of Google's um, control over this. So why do you think that people are heading in this direction?
1: Well, I mean, for, for these big platforms, uh, having having an advertising platform that's on their own and not reliant on another big tech company's platform is obviously a much more lucrative deal um, because the advertising space has the same problem that like developers have with the app store. These advertising companies take a big cut of of that money um so the, these platforms obviously want to take that cut for themselves
0: here i'm, I'm going to chime in so we just went on a big side tangent because we didn't actually know how tiktok advertisements work so we're going to re-enter now tiktok does have ads and we're, we're now continuing this discussion right now so what, what did you just ask i said snapchat. it
1: seems similar tiktok's platform seems similar to snapchat in that like there are some advertisements on the platform um but really nothing that interacts with the creators that much. I was kind of wondering how
0: they don't really pay creators. So with TikTok, it's kind of like how YouTube does YouTube shorts, I'm fairly certain. So yes, TikTok creators can have their own sponsorship deals and all that, which is probably how they mostly make money. But as far as I know, TikTok pays like almost nothing to creators. It's like an embarrassing amount. It's almost nothing.
1: I guess that's what that's what I was wondering though, like how much sponsorships play into it because I think that like a lot of people can be full time TikTokers. Then they have like, that has like to it, be from like from
0: sponsorships. Then. Like
1: it can it can be like a huge revenue stream for people, and I and and TikTok doesn't seem to do that themselves. So is that just directly between brands and creators? I assume so.
0: I mean, even YouTube YouTube pays creators through their ad program a lot more than TikTok does. And even YouTube, it is so hard to go full time from just advertising alone on YouTube. You probably have to be raking in like hundreds of thousands of views a month to go right. full time. Um, and same TikTok's going to be even worse. So it has to be. I guess mostly. ultimately,
1: ultimately what my question is, is are those like sponsorship deals factoring into this ad revenue? Like, are they including that I doubt advertising it. spend?
0: I doubt it. I mean, that's. I don't even know how they would get that data because like we they don't How do you, how do you
1: think they get this data?
0: Uh but like if a company is sponsoring a TikToker, that wouldn't factor into TikTok's revenue. That's that's between the company and the creator.
1: But that would still be advertising spend on the TikTok platform, so
0: but that's that's not TikTok revenue though.
1: Right. But in terms of like in terms of like market share from like advertising from like brands.
0: Oh, so you're thinking like, like
1: as far as how how much brands are spending on each platform.
0: Got it. Okay, I see. Rather where you're than, going now.
1: Rather, I don't actually know where I'm going with this topic now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to figure this out. Okay, so <laughs> You're
0: just you're just wondering if if you're a company and you have a product and you want to advertise, where are you gonna put your advertisements.
1: Yeah. And I think that's actually a really important question when it comes to this, because I mean, Google and Facebook make huge amounts of revenue now compared to these other platforms. But if if their percentage of what companies are spending is shrinking, even though their revenue isn't right now, because the other platforms aren't directly getting that money, it would still represent like pretty big losses in terms of advertising spend, I would think. But yeah. they're losing to other platforms.
0: No, definitely. That's a really good point. And I think that it adds a lot of pressure on these social networks to have to com- like that's why there's so much competition between the social networks now because like they have to earn that advertising spending. If if Facebook knows that it's only old people and you have a product that you want to advertise <laughs> to young people, like you don't want to put money into the advertising on Facebook when you can put the same amount of money on TikTok and get people who are more likely to buy that product. Um Right. Yeah. That's a good point. The, this, this revenue model of advertising is just so invasive in so many ways, not even from a privacy perspective that it's really hard for me to see how this doesn't end poorly for the end user at the end of the day. And I think it's, it's a good time to talk about Apple because I mm-hmm. like if any company of these big tech companies is going to find a way to digitally advertise successfully at scale and be able to actually do it in an effective way, it's and safely. It, it, I, I would put my money on Apple to be able to
1: do that safely in terms of like, in terms of privacy, yes. like user privacy, that privacy, kind of not being
0: ultra invasive, not being done in like an ultra competitive manner.
1: Do you have thoughts on that? Um. Well, Apple's Apple's a big one. But I mean, Snapchat and TikTok are the other big, like first party platforms that are having advertising as they don't do advertising outside of their platform. Um, I kind of wonder what the privacy implications are of those, of of that. I mean, that seems like a better model to me than like Google AdSense, which like tracks you across the entire web, right?
0: Well, okay. Yeah. So we wanted to wait, hold off on this discussion before our call. How do you picture, I I guess I picture a few scenarios here. There's the first party scenario, which is what we see nowadays. You know, if you're using Mm -hmm. Snapchat, Snapchat has its own ads and it's done through its its own stuff. Um, even companies like Brave, who have like Brave Rewards, that's first party. Like you have to go through Brave, and then they start serving your ads. Then there's kind of what Google AdSense is, which is you register for Google AdSense, and then you kind of, people can supply ads, but it's done through you. But is there any other possible way of doing it which is more like a standard, like a standardized way of running ads that doesn't go through a central company? Is there like, is there a reality where that's possible? Like some kind of open market, like a Craigslist for advertising that people can integrate with?
1: In a sense, that is kind of what Google AdSense is. I mean, that's the point is that you just have these blank spots and you're like, you can, advertising to people, you can put ads here and then people bid on spots, right? That's how the whole model works.
0: But can we do that model without Google is what I'm asking. Without
1: Google, like in a,
0: like, a de- decentralized like in a decentralized way. Because like that's what I'm wondering.
1: Uh, no easy solution to that comes to mind. Um, for the problem isn't making money as like a big creator. A lot of people are able to get like sponsorship deals and like they're able to directly build those uh, a lot of bigger organizations and creators and whoever online are able to get these uh, sponsorship deals and brand deals and build direct connections with people. But like, it's really hard for like a smaller blog or channel to, to build those relationships. I mean, I don't I can't think of a decentralized and automated way to do it the way that like Google AdSense works, that would be like, private and without like a central entity. Got it. Step like a middleman stepping in.
0: I, I I I guess the only thing I can think of is the closest thing I've seen to it is what Brave is trying to do, through BAT and all that stuff. It's still done and managed all through Brave, so it's not actually right. in any way decentralized. But at least it's more transparent, and at least I think they're trying to at least outline how it would work, and at least they're trying to reward users in the process. So like that yeah. whole revenue model is interesting to me. I don't, I'm not saying it's good, bad. I don't have any kind of opinion on it in that regard. I just think it's interesting how they're trying to at least add a layer of transparency to the current revenue model
1: on the internet. Yeah. Grave is a good example for sure. Um, but it it is centralized, like you said. I there's, there's definitely ways that I can imagine to do what Google is doing um, in a, privacy respecting transparent way i think brave is probably one of the closest people to that at the moment that i can think of but it's but there's no avoiding having a middleman in between all of these transactions that i can think of
0: yeah at least realistically i mean i'm sure people Mm -hmm. will be like just don't regulate it but then that that would be crazy
1: I Um, mean, I'm sure people would be like, "Oh, there's a blockchain solution."
0: Oh yeah, that'll fix it. That'll fix this problem. It just throw blockchain blockchain fixes all problems. Yeah, an AI blockchain that's run on machine learning. Any other buzzwords to throw out this?
1: There are definitely like crypto-centric ad networks I've seen, like like AdSense, but it's like all crypto. So I know that this already exists. (laughs) I don't. I don't. I can't speak to the privacy. <laughs> or to any of the any of the finances on that but it's it's a thing for sure. <laughs> well, it's funny when we were talking it
0: made me realize the importance of the creators in this day and age because the only reason I think that even like YouTube is like YouTube is able to serve ads and be so successful and same with TikTok is because there's these people that people want to watch and they create their content and there's actually value on the platform facebook doesn't provide any value there is no the value is just the networking aspect you and your friends are chatting which is in a way no more valuable than you chatting with a friend on signal um it's just facebook has more features like you can post photos and it's more for for the world to see and it's more interconnected but there's Mm -hmm. inherently no business model for facebook which i think is ultimately the problem for the platform is it requires such an invasive way to survive like facebook i don't think the reason why facebook has a bad culture like we were talking about is because they never would have even made it this far without having to be that invasive and having to have such a toxic way of making money because everyone else has figured out better ways to do it apple makes hardware google um i guess google isn't probably the best example but i think even google at least has some kind of value that it it supplies to people through its tools and it has other paid revenue models like companies rely on Google for a lot of different things. Um, Google Search is an actual useful tool that people use and rely on. And Google has a ton of tons of things that are actually useful. And Google does have hardware too, even though it's... Do they even profit off their hardware? Do you know? <laughs>
1: uh, I I don't know what their numbers are. I would imagine it's not much. <laughs> yeah. But it seems... All of their hardware seems to mostly be a driver for their, for their software, right?
0: Yeah, that seems to be. And... Yeah, They're definitely,
1: they weren't profiting off the Pixelbook, obviously, because they just canceled that, so.
0: I know you're happy about that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's something.
0: Then you have Microsoft. They, they build an operating system that a lot of people use. Mm-hmm. Amazon. Like, all these things have actual use cases and tools. The only thing Facebook has is, like, Facebook Marketplace. And, I guess, businesses. Like, there's business pages on Facebook, which I hate, by the way. I hate trying to like pull up a restaurant in an area and I click visit website and it takes me to a Facebook page. It doesn't even let me access the damn website.
1: Microsoft's an interesting one. Um, It's, it's interesting how like these older tech companies like Microsoft and Apple in particular um, are, are like pivoting in real time from like making software that has value to like a services model where they provide, um, online services like Google and Facebook do.
0: Well, I mean, it kind of moves into more of... It's more moving into the subscription model of things, too. You know, mm-hmm. um, everyone, everyone's going that direction, I think, to Adobe when you bring that up and how Adobe used to have to buy okay. a license. Uh, like, and it was... At least you own the damn software. But now you can't own anything and you have to spend, what, $52, $55 a month on their entire suite and they're just yep. giving you this fake service... It's a fake online service, in my opinion. Um,
1: Adobe is, yeah, Adobe's <laughs> just not good. They should be <laughs> investigated for an antitrust lawsuit. I mean, honestly, all they've done with, with all their subscription money is buy all the competitors.
0: I know, it's really bad. To all their
1: products. Like, just recently, they bought Figma for $20 billion. It's like a web, it's like a web app.
0: <laughs> Dude, new get-rich-quick scheme. Just, just build some crappy Photoshop alternative, <laughs> and just wait for them to offer you a billion dollars. They don't even Honestly, want to risk that, it because if anyone does anything, they're screwed.
1: <laughs> that that is probably a viable startup strategy. So, <laughs> VCs hit me up. <laughs> Man,
0: huh. yeah, Adobe. Uh, but same thing with operating systems, right? Like Mac OS, you, have to, you used to have to pay for right? To upgrade, mm-hmm. you used to have to upgrade and, and now it's all free, but now Apple has things like the iCloud, like the iCloud, I don't even know, iCloud Plus, you know, you're going to know this.
1: Yeah, iCloud Plus with their storage, they have uh, a bunch of other services too. I mean, Apple TV Plus is huge now.
0: All right. So this, where this discussion has kind of led me to is like, you have all these companies who are trying to find their own revenue models in the way the internet works. And it reminds me a lot of movie streaming as well, how like back in the day, um, you make a film and the film goes to theaters and then it's anyone can sell the film mm-hmm. anywhere, right? You're at Blockbuster, you're at Redbox, you're at really anywhere. You can go to Walmart and buy the DVD. Um, we're just not seeing that anymore. That physical retail side of it is still there for most movies. But I mean, if, there, if there's a Netflix original, you're not going to buy a Netflix original yeah. at Walmart. Oh, for sure. Like... So it's kind of the same issue of all these companies are trying to pretty much control and centralize everything on their own platform. And I think that actually creates a lot of these problems, not just in the digital advertising and privacy space, but just globally. I don't know if there's anything to unpack from that. It's just not a connection I've ever made that this digital advertising problem is not unique to
1: us. Burst a hole in your story, (laughs) but I think Netflix sells DVDs, don't they? Like, I'm pretty sure you can get, it's like, Stranger yes. Things on, like, a DVD set.
0: Yes, but uh, I think, okay, you're right. But, like, what about Netflix original movie?
1: I can't think of any good ones. <laughs> 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 oh, <That's> no.
0: <sighs> Here, um, 2020 best Netflix original movie.
1: Why can't I think of a... A single good Netflix original movie.
0: Cause they're meant to just be forgettable just <laughs> Best Netflix original movies of twenty twenty. Okay. American okay, the the trial of the Chicago seven.
1: Ooh, I might have watched that. I think that was good.
0: Even if they do sell the DVDs, I still think the ultimate goal is to get people on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The idea Netflix. behind all of these like yeah, original originals is to lock people into streaming platforms which is <laughs> which is why people are getting sick of streaming platforms
0: yeah because you have to buy every freaking streaming platform and not like you have to like spread yourself thin across all these platforms you might as, right. as well just buy tv right. at this point um yeah i can't find the trial of chicago 7 dvd yeah i suspect com. that
1: very few netflix movies are, but I know there were some really big Netflix movies now that I'm thinking about it. I think there were like some Oscar nominated movies um, a few years ago, like uh, Marriage Story, I think. And I'm pretty sure those were released on DVDs. But I would imagine most. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a ton of Netflix original movies, and they're all. It, most of them seem like filler content to me.
0: <laughs> well, see, so Stranger Things is on Amazon, which mm-hmm. is to be expected. So I think it could be a popularity yeah. thing if something's popular enough and they think they can profit off of selling physical copies or like if it's worth leaving the platform because it's good enough that it might bring people in maybe it's some kind of like business decision on what they want to let people see and what they can't similar to how facebook doesn't think it's useful for people to be able to access business information without having a facebook account i'm sure internally they were like it's not worth it for us to let people just see a face a business's address on facebook without needing a facebook account Just to avoid getting too off topic, let's kind of get back into the swing of things. Um, What we originally wanted to tie this into was all these different revenue models. And I think so far we've done a good job of just summarizing some of our thoughts and problems with things. But the main story that I wanted to tie this to and kind of tie this more into the privacy space is, um, we covered this in surveillance report, but it was the cookie extension that was recently acquired by Avast. And this cookie extension, what it does is it pretty much takes care of most of the cookie banners that you see on websites. They were completely acquired by Avast, and this kind of ties back into a big history of lots of services. Uh, was it K9 Mail that um, was acquired by Mozilla? Yes, it was
1: acquired by I believe. Thunderbird, that's correct.
0: And then there was, was it K9, or was there another open source project? There was another open source project recently that also got, or at least they were threatening to quit. Was it the canine? I think it was the canine developer. He originally threatened to quit, and he shut down the project. No.
1: I'll look it up. Fairmail. Fairmail. Yes.
0: No, it's not fair. Was it? Okay. So, yeah, the Fairmail developer, out of nowhere, is just like, screw this. I'm done. I'm making no money out of this. And um, I think they are back now. I believe so, yeah. I don't know
1: exactly how that resolved, but as far as I know, they... They went back to working on it. They fig- they figured something out.
0: Yeah, but it's just really sad because I think it really, I know on Tech Lore we've made videos about this and we talk about this quite a bit, but open source projects inherently have no business model.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of them. Like, <laughs> fair email, there is no business model. You download the app, you use the app, there's no service they're supplying to you. It's not like there's any cloud, anything. It's just an app you download. Um, and so it's really sad. And I think we have to start thinking of ways to help open source projects because the donation system just doesn't work. I think it's good for keeping things on its feet, but like, there's no way anything like fair email will ever go against the Gmail app when Gmail has a super invasive business model that we've been talking about this entire podcast. And so I think, and this is super optimistic. There's probably no easy solution to this, but, um. I don't know if there's anything already that you have. No,
1: that's that's always been a tricky problem for open source projects because um, there's a lot of like idealists, especially in the open source community, um, and when you when you try to bring the business side of things into it, which is important, people get people get angry about it, and oftentimes to do it effectively, like if you want to build a real big business, because there are gigantic businesses that are built on open source. You have to like limit your product in a lot of different ways, even though you're technically open source that people don't um, necessarily like. Um, there's there's a bunch of projects like this. I can think of like GitLab as a good example, which has like a an open so- source core platform, but then they have a lot of proprietary or in GitLab's case, I think it's still open, but it's like paid ads paid add-ons to their platform for the enterprise
0: well the services that have it lucky are the services that provide an ongoing service something like um like proton like with proton you're paying Mm -hmm. for an ongoing service they're actually managing your emails it's not just a software you bought bought in this case in open source terms is just downloaded but like it's not something that you just downloaded and now you use it's not like an open source game that you just download and play um, it's the the best way actually to tie this to gaming is the difference between an offline single player game that you just play by yourself and an yep. online game. When you're playing an online game, you're paying for the hosting, you're paying for the servers, you're playing for that online connectivity, um, which makes sense to pay for. And that's that ongoing subscription type of model that we're talking about Apple doing and moving towards. Um, but it's really hard for a lot of open source projects to do that. And then sometimes you have like the lucky projects, like you have the Calyx Institute, who probably makes no money from developing Mm -hmm. calyx os but they happen to have this whole other business revenue model that they use to just fund that so is that the solution if you want to have a successful open source project that makes money because by the way what you're saying is so true i hate i absolutely hate how the privacy community cringes the moment anyone tries to make money in this space because it's just the reality of how the world works right now right i hate it but like we have to be real about this too if people can't pay for food, if people can't pay for just a basic <laughs> quality of life, um, they're not going to be able to build as many cool things. They're not going to have the time. They're going to burn out quicker. Um, they can't justify doing things. You're going to get all these developers who just want to quit, which happens all the time in the open Absolutely,
1: yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so it's just really sad, and I don't think there is an easy solution for this. Yeah,
1: I mean, outside of, uh, like you said, uh inherently online, like, services, like ProtonMile, um, it's it's tricky because you can't exactly do, like, the Adobe model of doing the subscription but not actually doing any of the service stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you can if you just happen to be in that luxurious place where you just offer a fake service to people and offer a cloud storage addition on top of it that's totally You can, useless. but it's,
1: it's harder in the open source community. And I know there's... There's some open source projects that, like, charge for official builds, that kind of thing, or, like, they, like, have yearly subscriptions, um, but, but those aren't too popular, as far as I can tell. The one that was coming to mind was uh, GPG mail for macOS. Um, like, if you want GPG and, like, the mail extension to, like, built into the macOS email client, um, that's, like, a, a paid download, basically. And it's an open source project, um, but you can't, like, distribute builds using the name of it or anything like that, like, on your own, you can't, it's part of their license, so you have to, like, get the builds fund them or build it yourself without using any of their trademarks, basically. So a lot of, I guess, a lot of companies that do do that um, end up relying on, like, trademark law to, like, prevent people from distributing their app. What with their branding basically
0: this reminds me a lot of strongbox, yeah, like the password manager, strongbox open source. Um, but I mean, you can download it for free, but it's kind of like it's got the free tier. But I pay for it because mm-hmm. I like the paid features.
1: Did we talk a lot okay. about the Avast stuff? Just briefly mentioned it. I don't no, know if we want so, to go into anything more,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, back into that. Do you think that a big company buying out a project like that is a bad thing?
1: I guess it kind of depends. I don't know what a goals are. I'm not exactly sure why they would buy this product. Honestly, it makes, it doesn't make any business sense to me because the extension just closes cookie pop-ups and I don't know what that has to do with Avast's yeah. business model.
0: Yeah. And also I don't think there's anything proprietary about what this extension yeah. does. Like I'm pretty sure a vast could just roll out its own. I feel own like they definitely could.
1: And cookies. there's like other apps that I think are even open source that do this already.
0: UBlock does this right. with a filter.
1: So so with this one in particular it's kind of confusing. There are there are times that it is a problem. I'm thinking of like I guess this wasn't open source, but when Zoom bought Keybase and then nobody used Keybase anymore, remember that? That was a problem. Yes, that was a yes. problem because Zoom well, the main problem was because Zoom bought Keybase basically just to take all of their developers that were working on encryption to work on Zoom encryption instead of Keybase. It was just an easy way to hire like however many people they needed to add, to add security to their service. So acquisitions like that in the software space are more problematic because they kind of leave the original product abandoned basically i don't know i don't know what avast is doing here though
0: they just wanted to hire this guy
1: they're like we need you to build Maybe. us an extension and if, don't that, know how to do but it. if that's the case like that would be not good because that means he's not working on this open source project anymore he's working on some avast thing somewhere and it's not really benefiting a lot of people anymore that's a good point
0: um well how do you feel about funding so i know that you um you wrote that article when you were still with privacy tools about Start Page back in the day when Start Page was acquired partially acquired slash right. acquired by System One. Uh, this also reminds me of uh, Bitwarden recently just got that was it hundred million dollars
1: yeah it was something like that hundred million dollars. I mean it's no funding. Adobe acquisition money but it's still.
0: <laughs> but like, how do you feel about those? I think those are also. I mean, Start Page, I think was like absolutely crushed by the privacy startpage when the System 1 stuff came out.
1: StartPage was, I think, more, it was seen as more of a problem immediately because System 1 is part of the advertising industry. To me, like, System 1, like their, their core business is not, is fundamentally the same to me as, like, Google AdSense. It's connecting advertisers with um publishers basically and well they're probably not as privacy invasive it's probably not like automated like is with tracking people and stuff like that it's it's just a similar enough business model that people are what what google has done is made people wary of all advertising companies basically is what I, is what the main problem was and i mean ultimately i don't think that the system one acquisition was much of a big deal i mean we ended up relisting Start Start Page after uh, a lot of discussions with them. Um, they did like an AMA and we, we emailed them about the system one acquisition and it didn't seem that bad um, because StartPage has an advertising model. So obviously it makes sense for an advertising company to acquire them, but they have an advertising model that is privacy protecting. It's the same as like DuckDuckGo, I think we were talking about this earlier, where it's entirely like based on your, your searches. It's just very context aware. Like if you search for something, it gives you an ad for that thing. Basically, it doesn't require tracking you and keeping track of your preferences and your past interests or anything like that. So, um, so like that from a privacy perspective, I don't think was a big deal. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think the other thing too, is that there was value. Because people were like, "Well, what's the value in this acquisition?" And like, the value is they have mm-hmm. a stake in the company. If the company makes more money, then they make more money. Like, it's pretty obvious. They don't even need to do anything with the company as long as they put money into it and they have stake in the company, then they get money out of it. As long as the company absolutely
1: and that, uh, and Startpage, well. yeah, Startpage has a viable business model in advertising that's privacy protecting. So it 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 totally makes sense. Yeah. Um,
0: so how do you feel about Bitwarden then? <laughs> Bitwarden is more so just like, here's, here's funding. That's
1: an entirely different problem because as far as I know, I don't think the people that were investing in Bitwarden have anything to do with anything that Bitwarden does. Like system one is in the same industry. Right. But I think this is, Oh yeah. Yeah. I think it was just like general VCs, investment companies that are like betting on Bitwarden, uh, to be successful. Which is which is different, I think, than than what happened with Startpage. But it's it's really hard to tell what's gonna happen with Bitwarden. Um because we kinda only have what's in that post, their agreements. They say that they're gonna continue, but we know like historically a lot of VC funded companies don't follow through with the promises they make when they get funding originally. Um and depending on how like how much control this Uh, investment company has over Bitwarden that could definitely impact the direction that they go in one way or another.
0: And I think this exposes another problem with the lack of revenue models in the open source world. If you are someone who's like, we we shouldn't have to pay for things. um, Money Mm -hmm. does talk in this day and age and the people who are going to be able to put money into these projects um, might have influence on them. Who knows, maybe if Bitwarden charged What do they charge? Like ten dollars a year for their plan, or something crazy like that? It's like twelve dollars a year. not that much. It's something like that. But like, what if Bitwarden charged twice as much? I'm just making Mm -hmm. up numbers here. If Bitwarden charged twice as much, but they got to remain independent, I would argue that that's a better situation for the world than even like bringing VCs into it at all. But like, we would have to like all as a community agree to spend twice as much on Bitwarden or maybe everyone who's on free plans would have to now pay 50 cents a month for their passwords. Well, people might. The I mean,
1: $10 a year is a really uh, generous deal on Bitwarden's end. I think they could easily charge like it three is. times that realistically. I mean, yeah, one password charges $60 a year. I think
0: either way, this point stands like the Bitwarden deal is just yeah. incredibly good. Um, yeah, and I think what I'm trying to get at is if, if we're not paying for something, generally speaking, again, there's always going to be exceptions, but if we're not paying for it, mm-hmm. someone is. And there's a loss of power that comes along with that that I think people don't realize. When we're not paying for it, we lose some power and we lose say because in this world, whoever's paying the bills does have power. You know, that's why when you're a kid, you can't. You can't go just go to to a movie with your friends, um, because you need to somehow find money to go see the movie. Um, the people who have money are like dictating what you can and can't do with things. And so, if you're Bitwarden and um, your customers are asking for a feature, but the VCs are asking not to have that feature, and the VCs are the ones paying the bills, you know they're going to be stuck in a position where they're even having to think about what's best for the for themselves rather than what's yeah. best for the customers. But in the perfect world, what's best for the customers is also what's best for the company. And there's just been a significant mismatch. And it might not
1: it might not even be that, that VCs like are against features that customers want, but if if the investment companies prioritizing features like on the business end of things that don't matter to consumers at all, the consumer side of things is gonna be left undeveloped, right? And it's just gonna kinda go stale. Is that that's what we've seen from some some projects that decide to focus on the enterprise in the past. It's really hard to say. Um, with Bitwarden because I don't know too much about their like financial situation before this investment. Like, How much are they making in revenue? Because ultimately all of these investments the investors are putting in this money and they're going to expect to get that money back. And I don't know if like, right now as it stands Bitwarden is on track to pay any of that back because I don't know how much they make. And if they're not on track then they have to make they're going to have to make some big changes to their to their product or their business model to recoup that investment. That's just so much money, There's a lot of money floating around in the tech world. VC world. world time to <laughs> time to make an wow. ad. So, so when is a, uh, well, is Plexus um, accepting VC investments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's just really hard to tell, like, I guess where everything's going to head because I don't see it heading in a good direction. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better with all this stuff. Um, the, the sad thing is I think the, the beautiful thing about the internet is everything is just easily accessible to you, but the whole free model of the internet has enabled so many of these awful industries to come up and so many of, I don't know, I just think that the, I think the internet would be a better place in some ways if it was paid for. Um, at least in some places but then you get into the argument of like you have to pay to access information and some people can pay more for that information some people can't so everything's just a massive double-edged sword and there's no winning um
1: yeah yeah that is really it's really tricky before
0: we start wrapping this up, because this, this discussion has been very all over the place. And as we're doing this, you know, we've had to cut a few times. And uh, we've also learned quite a few things in this recording. Because the first recording was a lot more structured because we could just cover iOS 16 updates. And this one was more like f- very, very freeform. And I think this is probably too freeform, at least for this topic. Because this topic, I think, needed some more structure to keep things on task. So hopefully the edit isn't as crazy as the actual recording.
1: Yeah, it, I'm sure it'll all come together. yeah
0: um either way i hope there was some value there and again sorry about that but hopefully going forward we'll add some more structure to this so we can keep things a little bit more on track and have a better discussion that kind of carries on throughout the whole thing but to kind of like finish this out because we did talk about facebook at the beginning of this um (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) yeah that's right yeah (laughs) Yeah, you know like what like 40 minutes ago (laughs) Um, yeah a bit longer than that (laughs) my optimistic side wants to think that Facebook is really desperate and they're dying and they might make it out like maybe their metaverse thing will will pan out perfectly for them and they they executed this perfectly um but I don't know if they will and I really like to believe that they're on their way out of, of the world or at least of being a top dog and they might just slowly start fizzling out kind of like Mike I see Facebook com- becoming like Microsoft like they used to be a big name and then they kind of just disappear into like number five to ten companies that people still know about but they're just kind of
1: doing things on the side maybe I think Microsoft has kind of reinvented themselves though they like have they're on the up-and-up for sure I mean if you think back to like the Windows 8 era of Microsoft it was pretty dire for them, but they're, they're growing in a lot of different segments now. So. Yeah, I agree. I was kind of off topic. I was just thinking the other day, like, am I going to be like a boomer, a boomer about VR? Is this like going to be the thing that (laughs) I don't get just because (laughs) I'm older than it. And like all of the kids are going to be into VR and I'll never understand it. I was, (laughs) Well, I think okay.
0: I get VR. I think we both get VR. I, I, but the metaverse I is beyond that. VR. <laughs> and is it though? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, it is virtual reality. But like, the concept of the metaverse is like the socialization and like. But you're right, though. This is like no different than, like VR chat. Yeah. And like, I watch people do VR chat. I'm like, I just don't get it.
1: Right that's exactly my feeling about anything related to the metaverse but does this make sense to some people
0: i think it does i mean we have i'm wondering certain people in our discord
1: server who play this a lot uh yeah that's true when i'm in my 30s is this gonna be like a commonplace thing and i'm gonna seem like (laughs) like i don't know what i'm doing because i'm not in the metaverse all the time i don't know
0: i don't know it really does scare me, though, because we already are so disconnected from even ourselves on an individual level. I don't think we've ever been more disconnected to ourselves. And even though we are so connected in social media, we're also so disconnected from each other at the same time. And this is only going to make all of that worse. Um, oh, yeah, that absolutely. Is, like and that is an objective fact. And that like, no matter like how you think about it, the whole concept of the metaverse and the whole concept of hanging out with people. In this virtual world, that's not real, and things not being tangible and things not being real is only going to make these things worse. And I do not like that. Um, And so, if this is if this does become the future, it is going to be a tough time for me (laughs) because I'm probably not going to want to be a part of it for a very long time until I really need to. And I feel like that's what people said about like Facebook, like old people. Now they're on it. They're the the Exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll see yeah
0: all right um uh, is, is there anything else to add if not we can just end it there
1: cool i think uh, I wrapped with everything i want to say
0: all right well thanks everyone again for listening um sorry again this was very kind of just all over the place we wanted to kind of try the freeform discussion again this week and well we learned it's the second episode so we learned that it's probably a little too freeform for at least things that are a little bit more broad and nuanced and We can take in multiple directions because then it just kind of goes nowhere. But I think there were some, like, little gold nuggets here and there that might have helped (laughs)
1: some people. Um, So thank you all for watching. Next week will probably be better. Thank you, Jonah. Yeah. Yep.